Father, we, uh, we do thank you once again, God, for uh, your grace in our lives. And God, I thank you. When I think about dealing with this topic of marriage, and, and uh, Lord, I thank you that you, you didn't just uh, give us this institution of marriage. You just, quote, didn't invent it and then leave it alone. But God, you gave us the manual. You gave us everything we need to have a good and successful marriage. And Lord, if we're really honest, we kind of tend to not listen to you. We tend to ignore what you say and go our own way and then wonder why things aren't the way they should be. So I pray, God, as we continue this study, as we continue looking at what your word has to say about this institution, that, Lord, you would, you would speak to every single one of our hearts. Lord, for the marriages that are doing good, for the marriages that are struggling, for those who are just thinking about getting married, Lord, let this sink in and let us be men and women who we wanna make our marriage count in this generation. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, as we looked at last time, God is the one who instituted marriage. And you know, as we, as we think about that, do you know that the home marriage and the home has been around longer than the church? Kind of think about that. And, and God instituted this thing we call marriage for a very specific person, purpose, to glorify him. Listen, it's not, it wasn't just to procreate and, and uh, you know, uh, populate the earth, but it's to bring him glory. The church exists to bring him glory. So the fact that God instituted it, we looked at last time, we looked at Genesis chapter two, and I don't know about you guys, but I read Genesis chapter two, and I like, I love Genesis chapter two. I read the part where they, caught, they came together and man, they're in love and, and everything is good. Do you, do you ever just stop and think, I just wanna camp here for a while. There was no evil. There was no sickness, no death. You didn't even have to work hard. Things just popped up out of the ground. And you just enjoyed each other. Husbands and wives got along great. They didn't bicker. They didn't fight. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have all the struggles. And I just, I read that and I think, I just want to stay here. I don't want to go on. And tonight we're going to look at what kind of wrecked everything. But when we think about that, how do we today get that back? There's one way. No, we're not gonna get rid of sickness and we're not gonna get rid of the evil. But you know, we can make our homes a glorious place. And it's real simple. We just need to obey God. We need to not just read his word, not just listen to his word, not just take copious notes and get all those down. We need to flesh out his word. God has given us everything we need to have a successful marriage. And listen, man, I have found in my life, I've shared with you guys a couple times now, Gaynell and I made it to 50 years, that's pretty good, you know, we, we've done it. So I think we know a thing or two as we, as we work through this. We've learned a couple things on the way, and, but yet, here's the greatest thing we've both learned. If we will read God's word and do what God says, our marriage is blessed. When we don't, and we don't sometimes, our marriage is not great. We struggle, and we go through it. So listen, and to me, listen, I'm, I'm that simple guy. Here's what I think. I think the Bible has an answer for 
every issue of life we come up against. And I believe, listen, I believe it's as simple as this. Trust God in what he says and our lives will be better. So in marriage, tonight we're going to deal with men. I thought we would deal with men because you know all of the ladies showed up tonight and uh, then they'll come next week because I know the ladies definitely want to hear what, they, what their responsibilities are. And I figured the guys, not so much. So I'd start with the guys and, and kind of get that out of the way. Although, you can't just do, you can't just completely separate them. Then we're going to intertwine them a little bit because you have to talk about both parties at times. But, but we're going to focus mostly on husbands and what is the responsibility of a husband. And I personally think it's ginormous. I personally think, I think ladies have it easy. Oh. When I'm talking about responsibilities in marriage, listen, and I will explain it, and some of you guys don't throw stones. Be nice. But do you know that women are given one command? Period. Submit. You know how many commands men are given? Five. So think about that. I think, I think there's a heavier responsibility on men and a greater responsibility on men for a successful marriage than there is on women. And so we'll, we'll kind of work through that. So that's what I meant by that. And ladies, just stay with me and don't take off. But here's the interesting thing. We're gonna look at, at these later, but I'm just gonna throw them up there right now. Colossians chapter three, 1 Peter chapter three. We're gonna go to Genesis chapter three also. We're gonna do a bunch of threes tonight. But as you look at those, here's the interesting thing. When we look at Colossians chapter three, 1 Peter chapter three, and Ephesians chapter five, all of those are very direct teachings about marriage, about wives' roles and husbands' roles. And those are places where I would mark in my Bible, I would read those often, if you wanna have a good successful marriage. But here's what's interesting. You gotta get the context of all three of those. And you know what the context of all three of those passages are? Trusting God. All three of those come out of the whole thing. In Ephesians, it comes out of walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. In Colossians, it comes out of trust his word and follow his word. In, in Peter, it comes out of, out of the whole idea of, uh, uh, of enduring difficult times and trusting God through those times. So here's the thing. It's this simple. You want to have a good marriage? Trust God. You want to be a good husband? Do what God says. You want to be a good wife? Do what God says. You want to be a good mom or dad? Do what the Lord says. You want to be a good boss? Do what the Lord says. You want to be a good employee? Do what the Lord says. I think we put way too much emphasis in all of this other stuff. If I could only get a book that would teach me this. You have one. It's called the Bible. So now, as we work through this, listen, my prayer is that we would be encouraged and that this would uh, just strengthen our time, our, our marriages, and that it would be, we would leave at least in the, you know, last night or last Thursday and this Thursday like, yes, I'm gonna make this happen in my marriage. Now, having said that, it's not something you do mechanically. Like, you don't just read this and do it. That's what robots do. You gotta get this in your heart. This has to come from within you as the Holy Spirit guides you and directs you and, and, and empowers you to do this, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But it, this isn't mechanical things that you learn. These are things that you become as you draw closer to Christ. 
And then out of that, you get this great fruit. So I want to start in verse 22. I'm going to, I'm going to read 22 through uh, 33 several times as we're going through this series just to kind of keep us all on the, in the same place. So it's verse 22 of chapter 5 in Ephesians says this. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is, or as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, uh, uh, he who loves uh, his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you... Uh, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So again, I think that's, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna work through this, but there's not like big mystery words there. There's not words we can't understand. There's not mysterious things given. I think it's, I think it's pretty simple. Here's what you do. You wanna have a successful marriage? Here's what you do. To the wives, he says, hey, wives, submit. And again, we'll talk about that next week. So I'm letting you ladies know ahead. So if you don't want to come, you don't have to come. But that's just going to prove that you kind of really don't get Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, you'll just be in trouble. It'll go downhill from there. So I thought I'd pull that out. So guys, listen, tonight we're gonna talk a more about men. But I want us to notice, I want to read and emphasize kind of what he says here to men as we work through this. Listen to what he says. He says, husbands, in verse 25, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Listen how, how, to me, good that is. Now, listen, I get five things out of that for men. And guys, you can write this down. This is kind of to, to keep track. Number one, you're supposed to love your wife. And we'll develop these later on. Number two, you're supposed to lead her and take leadership. Number three, you're supposed to feed her and take care of that. Number four, you're supposed to cleanse her with the word and take responsibility in that area. And then number five, you're supposed to provide for her. I get all of that out of what he just said there. And that's my responsibility. Listen, as a husband, I look at those five things and I say, if I'm doing those five things, I'm gonna have a better chance at having a very successful marriage. If I don't do three out of five, 
It's gonna diminish my chances of having a great marriage. If I do four out of five, I'm doing okay, but if I do five out of five, I'm gonna have a greater chance of having a really strong, successful marriage. Now, as we read that and think about that, I got this quote, this is, this is kinda, of, this is a little bit, not real dated, but it was a few years ago. And uh, the author is, is Bunny Wilson. I don't know if you guys know her, but, but uh, anyway, here's what she wrote. This is great. She says, once I understood what God had called my husband to do in regard to me, I had an urge to run to the local drugstore and buy him a sympathy card. <laughs> he is to guide and direct me in all my defiance and stubbornness and rebellion. He is responsible for my spiritual condition, and that might be a little bit of an overstatement. We'll talk about that later. But he's responsible for my spiritual condition even when I'm a real basket case. He is to love me when I'm unlovely. He is to live with me in an understanding way when many times I don't even understand myself. Now, I love, listen, I love that attitude and what she's thinking and what she's saying. So, listen, we are given this, guys, we are giving this uh, 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 man, quote mandate from God here's how to have a good marriage you want to have a good marriage number one you got to love your wife as Christ loved the church how does Christ love the church unconditionally Christ loved the church listen carefully guys because it's going to get sticky from here on Christ loved the church enough that he gave up everything for the church wow Everything, right? I've read, I've read my Bible, and especially in Philippians, it says that he didn't even regard equality to God, and he stripped himself of everything for the church. Husbands, that's a pretty big calling, isn't it? Are you willing to give up? And some will go, yeah, well, I'll give this up. No, I'm not asking you to give this or that up. I'm asking you to give everything up. Are you really willing to do that to have a good, successful marriage? Because that's what he did, and we're mandated to do that. Now listen, here's what I know. That's impossible. Right? I read that and I go, there is no way I can, that's impossible. And you know what the Lord says? Yeah, I know, that's why I gave you Ephesians you know, 18 through 21 and told you to be filled with the Spirit because if you're filled with the Spirit, or 5, 18 through 21, if you're filled with the Spirit, then you're able to do those things because the Spirit will enable you. Listen carefully, God never calls us to do something that he has not equipped us to do. So guys, he has given that. Now, we're gonna define some of that in a little bit, and I know I'm gonna step on some guy's toes, but we have locked the doors, we got those uh, bars in, we got things in. You're not getting out of here. You're gonna have to put up with this. And listen carefully, I'm looking at this all week long. You're getting it just, you know, for an hour. I'm looking at it all week long. And, you know, that's why sometimes I think, I don't really wanna do another marriage thing because then I have to go home and I gotta do this stuff. And, and you know, and, and it's hard. Having a good marriage is hard work. But what I found is when you're doing something you love, doesn't matter how hard it is. Good mar and listen carefully, good marriages don't just happen. I don't care what some people might say. Some people might say, oh, ours is so wonderful, we just don't. Uh, you gotta work at it. You gotta put energy into it. And guys, especially guys, We've got to start concentrating on our wives. 
And we've got to be that person who I am going to put myself aside so my wife can grow spiritually, so my wife can be nurtured and cared for spiritually, emotionally, physically. I'm going to see to it that she's well taken care of to the best of my ability because that's what God has called me to do. And I'm going to do that. So first of all, love the of Christ, love the church. And then, then he gets into the whole thing. Listen, he gets into the whole thing that he says that he might sanctify uh, and cleanse her. And he said, I know he's talking about Christ in a church with the washing of the water of the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Guys, when was the last time you read the Bible to your wife? You just sat down and read it to her. Oh, we don't do that in our house. She can read. Really? I know that. Did you just sit and read the Bible to your wife? Years ago at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, there was one of the, uh, the guy who was with Pastor Chuck forever. There was Pastor Chuck who was the grandpa, right? And just was good to everybody, loved everybody. Everybody loved Chuck. And then it was Romaine. Romaine was the Jack Tinney of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. <laughs> Only Jack, Pastor Jack's a little bit kinder and nicer. Romaine, Romaine, when he would, people would come in and they'd go, Romaine, our marriage is really struggling. And here's what he'd say. The couple would sit down. Here's what he'd say. He'd look at the guy and say, are you reading the Bible to your wife? No. Then get out of my office. Go read the Bible to your wife. Come back. That was his, you know, and that's just how he handled things. So, so listen, but there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of truth to that. Are we washing our wives? Are we, are men, are we making sure that we're setting our wives up for the best spiritual life they can have? Our, that's our responsibility. You and I, men, we set the whole attitude of the home and the whole, the whole uh, 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 atmosphere in the home of being spiritual or not spiritual. It's up to us. And some of you go, well, you know, I'm not as spiritual. She's more spiritual than I am. I don't buy that. Sorry, I don't buy that. Hey, my wife got saved before me, and I understood when I first got saved that she was a little bit ahead of me. Well, quite a bit ahead of me. But you know what? I dug in the Word, and I got in the Word, and then I became a spiritual leader of my home because that's what God called me to do. Now, I know, listen, I know for some of us, we don't like this whole idea of, you know, how come the man's to lead and how come the woman's to submit and, and et cetera. Well, we're buying into the world and the world trying to define things for us. It's okay. Listen carefully. Women are women. Men are men. You don't get a choice in gender. I don't care what, I don't care what the forms tell you. Don't you get irritated now? It says, what gender do you identify as? Ugh. I always write the one I am. <laughs> Listen, and God made us, and God made us a certain way, and he made us to function a certain way. And when we decide we know better than God, you're gonna wreck your marriage, you're gonna wreck your life, you're gonna wreck your children's lives. You're gonna, listen, you need to be somebody who, this is who God said I am, then this is what I'm gonna do. And God told men to lead. Now we're gonna get into something, well go to, you know what, keep your finger here. Go to Genesis chapter three. 
Because I want to talk about this a little bit because I think this is where a lot of guys misunderstand things. And I'm not going to read all of chapter 3. We just read that uh, last week in our Bible reading, right? Shake your heads. So in Genesis chapter 3, most of us know the setting, right? Yeah, Genesis chapter 2, everything. And I want to focus on that once again. Everything in Genesis chapter 2 is perfect. I mean perfect. How many of us really love it when our marriage is just going smooth and perfect? Yes, it's good. The home's good. Life's good. Everything's good. And everybody's healthy. It was perfect. It was perfect. They never got up and had a bad day. And then along comes Satan. And Satan, however it happened, I don't know how this happened, but somehow Adam was not living up to his responsibility and staying close and guiding his wife and she started having a conversation with a snake. And again, for us it's kind of weird, but it must have not been too weird for them. And here's what the snake said. I'm going to paraphrase. This is my paraphrase. Hey, Eve, there's this huge conspiracy against you as a woman. And God and that guy over there, way over there, you know, the guy with no clothes on. (laughs) Him and God have this conspiracy where they don't want you to be like them. And all you have to do, listen, all you have to do to really understand things is eat from this tree. I know, I know he said don't eat from it, but it's just a conspiracy. I'm telling you, you want to be woman? Eat from the tree. And we know the story, right? She ate from the tree. Then I get mad. I get so mad at Adam. Adam's responsibility at that point was to come up to his wife and say, what on earth are you doing? Are you out of your ever-loving mind? Spit that stuff out of your mouth, and let's go back and let's get things on the right track. Why would you even think about doing that? We have everything perfect. And listen, they lost all of that perfection for 10 seconds of sweetness in their mouth. When you put it in that way, that's kind of intense, isn't it? And he lost it all, and then comes down to where, you know, God tells the snake, you're going to crawl, you're going to lose your legs, you're going to slither around and do things. But I want to focus on what he told Eve, because I think that's important. So skip down to verse uh, 16, 316. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Now, listen, my understanding was, if I read that right, before that there wasn't going to be all of that pain. Now, I've never bore a child. I've had some kidney stones (laughs) that I've bore, but I've never borne a child. So I, I have an inkling, but listen, most women, if you've been with a woman who's in labor, it's not fun. They're not saying, oh, this is so wonderful. They're going, why did you do this to me? Why did you do this? And they're screaming. And hey, it's not his fault. You know whose fault it is? Eve. You get mad, get mad at Eve. 
right? Next time, ladies, if you're, if you're childbearing age and you're gonna have another child, when it starts coming out and all the pain starts coming, just start screaming at Eve. When the people around you start saying, why are you yelling at Eve? Just tell them, read Genesis, right? <laughs> but then he said this. Here's the, here's the kicker part. Then he said this. Look at the end of that. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. You might underline that word rule. Now, here's what really bothers me about that. If you read in the original language, it's more like, here's, what, here's what's saying. She is going to want to take her husband's place of authority. And he is going to rule over her, not a good thing. This is listen. Genesis three sixteen is not a good verse. It's not a you know. It's not one of those places that you claim and you want to be like that. Here's what happened. You had this perfect union in a perfect garden with a perfect God with a perfect couple, and now man, this thing just got shattered. And from now on, and I think until Jesus comes back, there is gonna be power struggles in this relationship of husband and wife. The wife is gonna wanna rule. Now listen, I know none of you in here would ever feel that way. <laughs> Did you tell them how fast to drive to church? Hmm? Did you tell them, yo, you're going way too slow or way too fast. Or why did you take that road? I would have taken this road. If you were listening to me, we wouldn't be out here. We wouldn't. No, we never do those sort of things, do we? So listen, think about that. And think about that in your own heart and the power struggle. I know, and, and you know, I hate to just speak for, for my wife, for Gaynell, and, uh, but I know, listen, I know how much she changed after she came to the Lord. And that power struggle became less and less and less. I'm not saying it's completely gone because we're two sinners holding hands trying to do this thing called marriage. So we don't do it perfect, but we're trying. But listen, you have that, and here's the thing, and then he will rule over you. God, men, God has never called you to rule. Now some of you just sat up. What do you mean he's not called me? I wanna rule. There's the problem. He's never called you to be a dictator. He's never called you to sit on a throne. But because of this fall, that's what happened. And men, some men, man, they rule with an iron fist, and you're gonna do what I say. I'm not talking about violence. Here's how our house is gonna be. I remember when Gaynell first got saved. This, is, this is, just really embarrasses me. When Gaynell first got saved, and, and she was saved for a while, and she came home and she asked me to quit using foul language. Yes, you're a pastor. And she says, don't say that. She goes, it just hurts me. You know what my answer was? This is gross. This is my house, and I will speak the way I want to speak. Now listen, that's thinking you're somebody. That's not what, that's not what Ephesians is teaching us, but that's what Genesis says. So you have this ultimate power struggle going on back and forth and back and forth and therein lies the issue. Now, go back once again on our way back. Well, you know what? Go all the way. This time, this time just plus by uh, uh, Ephesians. We'll come back there. But go to 1 Peter because I love 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 
And I know we're doing a little bit of Bible flipping. Some of you guys go, we don't do that. Well, when we're kind of doing this kind of series, we do. So 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're still doing some verse-by-verse stuff. But as you're in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to go down to verse 7. And uh, you, can, you can check out some of it later on. But of, you know, what he says to the wives or come next week and we'll look at that. But I want to focus on, because I think this is important, and this is for guys. Guys, you guys who think you're the ruler of your home, you're not the ruler. You're the leader. And we're going to get more into godly leadership in a minute, but you're not the, you're not the ruler. And so here's, I love, listen, I love this verse probably, and, and part of it is because I, I, I get into it a little bit more. But in verse 7, he says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, meaning your wife, with understanding giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now listen, I think there's a ton of stuff packed in there. I want to have the time to unpack everything he's saying. But first of all, he's telling us, guys, we need to dwell with our wife. You know what that means? That doesn't mean live in the same uh, physical space. It means you need to dwell with her. And then later on, he says, with understanding. How many of you guys know your wife? Spend time talking to her? I know the last time I taught through something like this, I I wanted to do this, and guys got real uptight. Your palms are going to start sweating in a minute, guys. How about if we did a test? How about if I gave you 10 questions and you filled them out about your wife? Would you fail or would you pass? Some guys are going, don't you dare. And wives are going, do it, do it. How well do you know your wife? Are you dwelling with her? Listen, that dwelling means that you are intimate, and I'm not just talking about sexual intimacy, that you're intimate with your wife, that you're spending time, you're spending, quote, FaceTime. I I hate that Apple did FaceTime, because now every time you say FaceTime, people go, we FaceTime all the time. No, I'm talking about face-to-face time. Are you spending time with her? Are Are you getting to know her? Are you finding out? Do you know what your wife really likes and dislikes? Do you, know, do you know her heart? Now listen, I understand. I've been married 50 years. You're never gonna completely understand your wife. And that's not just women. She's, my wife's never gonna completely understand me. But I wanna know her. I wanna know what pleases her. I wanna know what blesses her. And you know what? I'm learning the whole time. I just learned something the other day, and I'm not gonna tell you what it was because it was kind of sweet. It was a nice little romantic time, and, and Gaynell said, oh, wow, that I really like. It's 50 years, and I just now found that out. <laughs> so think about, think about, are you dwelling with her with understanding? Are you that person? And here's what's going to happen. It's going to take away from your time. Oh, I know we're busy, guys. No, we're not. Here's something I know. Ladies, I'm going to let you in on something. Guys like to play. They do. We like to play. We like to hunt. We like to fish. We like to golf. We like to go boating, whatever it is. You know, we like to work on cars. We like to do this. We like to, we like to play. Some, some people literally play on computers. They're playing computer games. They're doing it. Guys love to play. And there's the issue because you know what? I'm going to take away from your playtime. And we're just going to pull away from that for a little bit. Really? It's like when you take it away from your kids. I'm going to put you on restriction, men. And I want you to back off from some of that. 
and dwell with your wife. You really want me to give some of that up for her? I thought marriage was just we said I do and I got this sex slave and a house cleaner and, and different things and you want me to dwell with her? Yeah. That's what I want you to do. I want you to spend time with her. I want you to get to know her. And then I love and I want you to understand her so that, listen, I believe with all my heart what women really want is someone to listen. And check this out, guys. They don't necessarily want you to fix it. They just want you to listen. But us guys, we're fixers, right? She starts saying, I'll take care of that. It's not what I asked you to do. I just wanted to, I just wanted to, to talk to you. I just want you to listen to me. Well, I don't have time to listen to you because I gotta go fix that and then I have to go play. And the sooner I get that done and what you, what's bothering you, the sooner we get, listen, honey, I'll put, up, I'll put up that molding and stuff and I'll take care of that and then I can go play, right? We're like little kids. Then we wonder why sometimes our wives treat us as like they're our mothers because we're acting like little kids. Honey, if I do this, can I go do that? Stop it. Listen, men, grow up, quit playing so much, and start spending time with your wife. Now, not only do you have to dwell with her, not only do you have to understand her, check this out, because this is my favorite part of this verse. He says, you need to give her honor, or give honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Now, I know some women say, I'll show you weakness. Listen, He's not talking about physical, although that's there. It really bothers me that somehow in our world that women are trying, all women are trying to say that they're just as physically strong as men. That is not the case. Come on. We need to stop the madness. That's not the case. Now, I know some women. Hey, I know a woman who was a bouncer at a bar, you know, so I know some women can handle themselves. It was in Bisbee. If you ever went there, she would bounce you hard, too. But I think that's there, and he's not talking about emotionally, although I think women are a little bit more emotional than men. That's the way God put us together, and I'm not, I'm not making a judgment. I'm just saying I think they are. Eve ran on emotions when she ate the fruit, didn't she? So listen, but he's not talking about that. Here's what he's talking about. I love this illustration, because I'm a potter. So I can illustrate this with, with pottery. In like, the, uh, in like the 500s, there was this whole Ming dynasty in China, and they used to make, listen, the potters during that time used to make pottery that was some of the finest porcelain ever made. I mean, it was so thin. If you're a potter, you really appreciate it. It was so thin, you could see through it. I'd never figured out. I tried it, and I never could work with porcelain because it's hard. And they would make it perfect and it's beautiful. And they're called Ming vases. Some of us have heard about those. I don't think any of us own one of those. They start around 300,000. But if you got one of those, how would you treat it? Would you have it on your coffee table? No. Where would we put the Ming vase? Most of us would put it in a safety deposit box. But at the least, you would put it behind glass and wouldn't let anybody touch it, right? Why? Because it's rare. It's special, it's valuable. Hey, that person sitting next to you tonight, she's rare, she's special, she's valuable. How are you gonna treat her? You get one of my pieces of pottery, eh, you can throw it around, it'll bounce. Stoneware, stoneware bounces, it's okay. Get a mean vase, not so much. 
You need to understand how precious that person is that you call your wife. And now, listen, now you're gonna take a little bit more time to take care of her and to surround her and to bless her. Less playtime. We're not gonna have much time for playing. Listen, and I have, I have, I love to play golf. How much time did you spend this week playing? I spent four hours. How much time, guys, did you spend versus how much time you spent with your wife? Real time, not just, I'm not saying you sat down and you ate dinner together with the family and did things. I'm talking about one-on-one time. And I know some of you go, we got kids. Lock them in a room. Put them away. Now you guys are going to call CPS on me and I'm going to be in trouble. Listen, you've got to make time. If you want to make marriage work, you've got to do it. And the responsibility, listen carefully, lies upon the husband. Guys, you need to take the reins here. You need to do this. And you need to lead your wife, not rule your wife. You need to lead your wife. And you need to be that godly leader. And you need to take that responsibility. I'm going to do this now. We still got time. So uh, you don't have to turn here. You can go back to Ephesians. We're going to come back there in a minute. But listen, man, one of the greatest illustrations, who is the greatest leader of all time? Jesus. All of you are going, I'm not going to say I had somebody in mind. Jesus, right? Listen, a trick question. Some of you are going, is he fooling us? Like Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. And listen, some of us, instead of looking at Jesus, I, I've heard some guys say, I know how to lead. I lead platoons or I lead, you know, squads or I lead this. Your family's not the United States Army or United States Air Force or the Marine Corps. Hey, they're, you're, you're family. You don't lead that way. You know, I think some of the worst things we can do is bring principles of the world and what we're taught in the world and bring them into the home. How do I lead? How do I really lead as a godly leader? Well, look at Jesus. Number one, he gave everything up. Everything. He said, it's worth it. Who is it worth it for? The church. Before we were even saved, he did that. Do you understand that Jesus did that when you were still sinning and gross? He says, I'm leaving everything for you. So we leave everything, and then number two, we need to learn how to become servant leaders. John chapter 13, you can read it for homework. It says in John chapter 13 that Jesus is gathered with his disciples, and here's what he knows. I'm going to die. I'm gonna be mistreated, I'm gonna be misjudged, I'm gonna be beaten, I'm gonna be thrashed, but I gotta do something before all that happens. Oh, and I'm gonna be betrayed. And then it says Jesus wanted to show, and this is, this is I think, one of the translations, or at least my interpretation. He wanted to show them the full extent of his love. If you wanted to show somebody, husbands, listen up. You wanna show your wife the full extent of your love? What are you gonna do? Dude, I'm getting flowers. Oh, God bless you. How do you show your wife the full, how did Jesus show the full extent? Whenever I read that first part, and I've read the chapter, so I know what happens. But when I read the first part, I think, is he gonna take him like on a trip? Are they gonna like go out into space and he's gonna say, all of this. I mean, you're showing someone the full, what did Jesus do to show the full extent of his love? He went over 
and he wrapped himself with a towel and he picked up a basin and he came and started washing her feet. Wow. Husbands, you doing that? I'm not saying you have to wash your wife's feet. Here's what I'm telling you. You have to serve her. Servant leadership. Are you doing that? You see, are you willing to go that far? Even to the point, the thing that always blows my mind about that chapter is he washed Judas's feet. Knowing well what Judas was gonna do. I'd have washed his feet, but I got a grinder. <laughs> a little bit of dirt here. <laughs> and some of you are going, I'm not sure my wife is worthy. Seriously, seriously, that's what you're gonna say. We weren't worthy. Those 12 weren't worthy. Judas wasn't worthy. But a servant leader doesn't care because a servant leader loves anyway and does it anyway. And that's what you and I, men, this is what we need to do. Listen, I want my home to shine brightly for Jesus. And that doesn't mean we're gonna put up crosses and put up pictures and have all these you know, religious artifacts so everybody knows where we're at. I want us by our lives. I want my neighbors to come over and say, hey man, can you and Gaynell help us out? Because we're struggling with our marriage. And we notice there's like never any yelling and you know, pots flying and things coming out of the house at your house, so could you help us? Make our marriages count. We're the ones that can change the world. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe, listen, I believe it starts in our homes. Men, if your home is not strong and a good witness for Jesus Christ, it doesn't really matter what you do every place else. Let's change our homes. And so in that way, what that woman says is right. We are responsible for the spiritual condition. Listen, we don't save our wives or our children, but we're responsible for the atmosphere that we bring to the home. Go back to, go back to I told you in Ephesians, right? We're back to Ephesians and in verse 28 and 29, once again, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does. Listen to the, response, to the thing we have. Man, are you willing to give up some of your playtime for your wife? Hmm. Because I, I, I know I love myself. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that go, no, not me. I'm, I'm so humble. <laughs> I know. I, I, I like, I, I'm always on my mind. <laughs> listen. So listen, I get that. But that's how I want to treat my wife. I want to go home and I want to be that to her. And guys, it's our responsibility. If your marriage is messed up, men, it's on you. Fix it. And here's how you fix it. You don't fix it by telling her what to do. You don't fix it by becoming a dictator. You fix it by changing who you are. And you begin to do the right thing in your home. And the only way you're gonna do that is getting close to Jesus and walking with him. Now, I wanna quote this lady again because she says another good thing here at the end. She says, what does it mean for a man to be Christ-like, to be a Christ-like head of his wife? 
So again, being head can be, you know, bring up some negative connotations, but what does it mean? Here's what it means biblically. It means that he is deeply concerned about her well-being. He is sacrificially committed to every aspect of her personal growth and fulfillment. He is willing to take full responsibility for her protection and guidance while leaving her the freedom to be herself and fully develop into the unique woman God created her to be. I love that part. In short, Christ-like husband is dedicated to loving his wife as much as he loves himself. Wow, isn't that powerful? So guys, let's do it, huh? Let's conquer, listen, let's conquer in this area and let's be men that, yes, this is what we're gonna do. And our marriages, listen, we're gonna make our marriages an example to the world and we're gonna make them count in 2021. I want us to leave here tonight in our hearts. Guys, I'm gonna do this. I'm not just gonna hear what Pat says. I'm not just gonna read these things. I'm not just gonna take notes. I'm gonna go do this. Ladies, listen up. Don't you be going home telling your husband what I said. (laughs) Don't you get in the house and say, did you hear what Pastor Pat said? You're not doing that. (laughs) Don't do that. And especially don't call each other. So, we'll talk to you ladies next time, those who show up. (laughs) But guys, let's do this. I'm excited. You know what? Studying this all week, here's what I want to do. I want to go home, and I want to show Gaynell, this is what a husband is. This is what a a godly husband looks like. Check this out. You know, sometimes we get all, you know, we'll work out and get all buff. Check this out, dear. I want you to go home spiritually. Check this out, honey. This is what a godly husband does. And see what happens to her. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you, God. I thank you so much that we have your word. I thank you for just the challenge. But most of all, God, I thank you that you gave us this thing called marriage. You made it, you instituted it, you brought it together. And then, God, now you say, okay, I tell you what marriage is. I've shown that now. I want you to start fleshing it out. Men, I want you to be men of God. I want you to be godly husbands. Women, I want you to be women of God, and I want you to be godly wives. And when we start doing that in front of the world, we are gonna blow their minds. I don't care about the whole world ripping off marriage. I don't care about them changing genders and changing everything that is, that is sacred. We don't have to go along with that. We're believers, and we believe in Jesus Christ, and we believe his word. And so we're gonna walk in that, and here's what we're gonna show the world. It's not about some archaic piety, but it's about real life. You wanna experience real life? Do what the word of God says, and only then. And so God, let us be those people. I'm excited about how this group, not very many of us, we're gonna affect this city for good and for strong marriages. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you are in a place tonight where you do need some prayer, once again, I'm going to put the number up. You can text this number. We're not having our prayer room right now because of COVID, but you can always text this number and text your prayer request. We do ask that you would uh, let us know that... uh,
uh, that you, who you are and what you're praying for. If tonight, if you're here tonight and you're a husband and God touched your heart and you said, man, I wanna be that, but I don't even have a clue, then you need to get born again. You need to call on the name of the Lord and you need to ask him to come into your life. If you wanna do that, men, if you wanna do that, ladies too, but if you want that relationship with Jesus Christ, text this number and just put new believer. We'll get a hold of you and we'll come and we'll talk to you and make sure that you understand what it means to be full of the spirit and to be the husband or the wife that God wants you to be. 